welcome to the sixth episode of the podcast, Here to Help. My name is Jessica Glynn, and I am the host of this podcast. The podcast is meant to do exactly what it is called. It is meant for people to hear things that can either help them or make them feel connected to it. I just want those that have been or are struggling with a loss or going through grief to be able to feel like they're not alone. So each week I have been reading through a letter that I have written to my brother or multiple letters that I have written to him after his passing and today I will get into the letters that I wrote to him on my 30th birthday as well as two other entries that were right after my birthday and how it affected me to not have my brother here during that time. So I hope that you are able to connect to something within these letters And after I read them, I will then get into a further discussion about them as well. December 2nd. So December 2nd was my 30th birthday. This should have been a great and memorable birthday for me, but it wasn't memorable in the way it was meant to be. I didn't even want to celebrate it. If it weren't for mom and her taking control like she sometimes does, I wasn't even going to do cake. Just sucks because instead of looking back at what a great year this birthday was, I will look back and always think about how two weeks before my 30th birthday, you shot yourself. Jen texted me for my birthday and I told her how I found a penny at my bedside the night before. I was doing laundry, walking all over the room. After finishing and placing the basket in the hallway, I came back into the room and there it was. December 3rd. The next morning, Jen asked if I had dreamt of you the night before, as well as explained a vision she had of me. She said she could see me sitting in front of candles or a candle and how she believes you wanted me to know that you were there with us for my birthday cake. Mom also had a vision today, too, about you. She told me about it before we went into the restaurant to eat for my birthday. She went into your room to pray when Dad came with us to get a Christmas tree, which we found a penny by the truck that day as well. She was in deep prayer and said that she could see, like a movie playing, you pacing in your room. 
she said she felt super anxious and had thoughts of should I shouldn't I she could see you sit on the floor where they found you that night then she said it went black and she thought to herself oh shit what did I do when I told Jen she explained that she got the same vision from you like you wanted this but not a hundred percent I also saw dad get his tattoo it's a portrait of you and underneath it it says my best friend in your handwriting Twelve seven. While closing my eyes before bed, my ears started to burn. Like Jen stated happens to her when you come to her. I got excited, hoping something would happen. To calm my mind, like Jen told me to do, I envisioned flying over an open field, like upstate. All of a sudden, a big flash of light came from the right-hand side, like someone used the flash on a camera right in front of my face. I was again compelled to smile. Then, while laying half in a fetal position on my left side, I felt what I would imagine to be an arm would feel like on my upper thigh. Next, I felt something on the front of both of my thighs. It was like someone was sitting, leaning their back on my legs and using their arm to hold themselves up on my thigh area. I thought to myself, it must be you. It felt so real. I was actually afraid to open my eyes, like if I did, someone would actually be sitting there. You must have put me in a peaceful state because I do not remember anything else, and I fell asleep. I am grateful for feeling closer to you, or you being around, but still, it's just not enough. two weeks after losing my brother it was definitely one of the worst birthdays that I've ever had most people would you know spend their 30th birthday with all their friends and family and 30 seems to be from what I've seen, a very celebrated year, and I was kind of robbed of that because I literally did not even want to celebrate my birthday, I didn't want to think about it, I didn't want anyone to say happy birthday to me, and not out of like, you know, pity for myself it just you know it was just something that I literally didn't want to think about it wasn't about the drama of it or anything like that it just I I 
just did not want to even think about turning another year older and knowing that my brother was not going to be there to celebrate with me. So for my parents, you know, I I kind of, I remember telling other people, like, I don't want to do anything for my birthday. I'm not doing anything, like, so please don't do anything. And when my parents asked me about, you know, going to dinner or having cake, I felt like I couldn't tell them no, you know, because it was something that we had always done. And I felt like I was taking something away from them and kind of making it more real for them about losing him if I didn't kind of like stick to the plan, so to speak. So I remember being reluctant about wanting to go to dinner, but I did it. And yeah, before we went into the dinner, my mom was telling me about how she had gone into my brother's room, as I said in the letter, and she was sitting on um, like a, a step stool kind of thing because um, there was work being done to my brother's room and she was just sitting in there and she had her rosary and she said that she was praying for my brother and his soul and that's when she had kind of gone into this I guess it was like a meditative state and she said she described it as like watching a movie in your head and she was saying that she could see my brother and again as it says in the letter he was pacing back and forth and she said that she could just feel the emotion that he had it was like she felt like he was showing her what he was feeling and and again, going back, like, you know, should I do this, shouldn't I? And then he did, after sitting in that spot in his room, and then seeing black. And I find it amazing because if you've been listening to the podcast, Jen had described, it was only a few days after his passing, she described pretty much the exact same vision of what may have transpired in my brother's room that night. So I found it kind of crazy that my mom described the same kind of thing. And even down to after they saw black, the shit, what did I just do thought. So that was pretty crazy. And I, I think it kind of gave my mom a sense of, I, I don't want to say peace, but it gave her a sense of clarity. And I feel like, you know, she felt like it was my brother's way of really giving her that clarity um, of what happened. It may not be an answer of why but you know we had so many questions 
and you know we still don't know exactly why but it you know it allowed her to see how how it got to that part Um, so we had a trend obviously of getting tattoos for my brother after he passed away and I had gotten the feather and the writing that was written in his journal, um, his creative writing journal, and then my mother got the turtle tattoo, and then shortly after that, as I said in the letter, my dad got a tattoo, and he got a, um, we'd been going back and forth about what picture to use for this portrait of my brother. And we finally came up with one. Um, he, I think it was the picture of him on vacation. And he just has this huge smile on his face. And you can tell he was really happy in that moment. So we kind of all decided that that was the best one. And obviously, ultimately, it was going on my dad's body. So it was up to him. And he liked that one best as well. And then we found in the journal, his in his handwriting, the words, my best friend. So my dad wanted to put that underneath it as well. Um, and the tattoo artist that did it was the same for all three of us. Again, she was very empathetic to the situation and she really did beautiful work for all three of us and um, you know my dad loves his tattoo the way that it came out it's just it was beautiful and then I added the other entry um, from December 7th because I felt like I could get into a little bit more Um, the entries weren't very long so December 7th is when I kind of started to experience, um, I'm going to say like empathic abilities, I guess you could say. Um, Just weird things started to happen in regards to like spirituality. And these sensations and things that I was experiencing were all things when I was awake. But as you'll come to find, as I get further into my letters, they all seem to happen mainly, um, I'd say like 98% of the time, when I get into bed and it's quiet and I'm just like, you know, starting to calm down from the day. And these things happened to me a lot where I, you know, would feel like somebody was touching me or, you know, like leaning on the bed. And this night in particular, I still remember like literally being like, oh my God, I feel like I should open my eyes, but I was afraid to because it literally felt like somebody was sitting on my bed. Um there wasn't (laughs) Uh, but then 
you know, it wasn't a sense of like being scared, like, oh my God, you know, I'm feeling like someone's sitting on my bed, but no one's there. It was a sense of peace. Like, I can't, I just can't explain it. It just, it's like you, you just know that they're there with you. And I know for a fact that whether it was my brother or not, it was someone that was a loved one that was there with me. And I'd like to believe that it was my brother, but I don't know that for sure, obviously. But there was somebody definitely there. And the whole thing with my ears burning, it's almost like it feels like my ears were getting hot. And it happens more frequently as time goes on, where... I experience something um, after my ears started to get like hot, like they were burning. It's very strange, but pretty cool at the same time. I again want to thank those that have taken the time to listen to the podcast and I also want to say that I know there are a lot of people that are either friends or family that may not want to listen to the podcast and that's okay I know that this type of healing isn't for everyone and I know that sometimes it takes time to be able to get to the point where you feel like you're able to even listen to someone else's pain. I know in the beginning of my struggles, I didn't really care what anyone else was feeling. I might sound really crappy, but um, I didn't really care what everyone else was going through not in my family or with the loss of my brother. I'm just saying in terms of, you know, the outside world and, you know, if anyone was happy or if anyone was sad, um, I didn't really, I didn't want to hear it. I felt like maybe it would put me on overload and I just felt like I was too concentrated on hurt I had but as I said I I know it may take family members some more time to want to listen to it and some people may never want to listen to this and that is totally okay I'm doing this for anyone that 
wants to hear it and is open to it. Um, so I'm just happy that I know there are already people that are saying that, you know, this is something that they appreciate. So I'd like to end on a good quote. So this was posted on Facebook yesterday by the, um, the group, the suicide awareness group called To Write Love on Her Arms. And it's very short. It just says, good days and hopeful things can still exist in a difficult time keep holding on. This is definitely something that a lot of us need to try to remember. And it's something that even I was glad to stumble upon. Because when we get into those ruts and, you know, things seem pretty gloomy, it's hard to remember that, you know, the good days and hopeful things can still happen and will happen. So we just have to keep holding on. So that will conclude the sixth episode of this podcast. And I hope that it was able to resonate with you. And I look forward to sharing some more of my experiences with you next week. Thank you for listening.